I can't use this. I can't use this. <laughs> You're now locked in to another episode of Unboxing Scripture. Just friends hanging out, reading unfamiliar and familiar scriptures, unpacking truths that we can apply to our daily routine, a fun look at the Word of God, a chance to laugh and learn at the same time. Welcome to Unboxing Scripture, not your typical unboxing channel. So, hey, I want to welcome you to Unboxing Scripture. Uh, Man, I'm excited about today's episode. This has been a morning, I will tell you already. Like, uh, for myself, getting to, getting around in the morning, we, as soon as I walk in the door of my house, there is a place that the keys go, like the wallet goes, everything. Uh, and I'm somebody that owns tiles because this is a new habit, you know. Uh, I like the tile. You can ping it. Do you? Yeah, I do, actually. You, you can ping it. This, in, this episode is not endorsed by tile. Uh, but you can ping could it. Be. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, <laughs> if they want to mail me some tiles for free, that'd be cool. Uh, but yeah, also I have Nick Poe on as my guest today, and I'm wow. excited. Uh, if, okay, so I usually just default the introduction to everybody else, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for this one. So Nick Poe is a man of God, a husband, a father, now of two, mm. uh, a business owner, entrepreneur, and just. Man, someone who is passionately in love with seeing people connect with Christ. Mm. And I think that's really even the gift of your, and I, I want to say ministry. It's I know it is 100% ministry, but it is also, I would say, on the other side of that coin, it is a business. Mm -hmm. It's not like, hey, we've got our 501c3 and we're a non-for-profit. It's, hey, we are doing this for profit, but yeah. for the kingdom. Yeah. And he runs Tall Pine Books. Yeah. A, a publishing company out of Kosciuszko County, baby. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for having me, man. A pleasure. Um, thanks for the introduction. Unlike you, I had a great morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was organized where it should be. Kids aren't quite old enough to reach the shelves needed to uh, throw my keys off. So. Yeah. Um, really happy to be here. I was listening to your other podcast. Fantastic material. And... Uh, Hopefully, I can measure up today. Oh, dude. <laughs> I, we also worked together for quite a few years. Yeah, five yeah. years. Yeah, five years. And just so people know, like, this, I don't think every minister does this, but we did this. We would give each other a word that we had to work into a sermon yeah. before we would go up and preach. And the word, it wasn't always like... Uh, I don't know. I'm trying agape, God's kind of love or and covenant it, or something. Yes, simple. it wasn't like right. something, and it was it was such a like I think you gave me a phrase as oil runs down the beard of Aaron <laughs> one time and for like an offering. <laughs> yes, for an yeah. offering message, and uh, it ended up. I think Pastor was like, "Hey, what is the deal when you and Nick are up there preaching that all of a sudden you guys get these super smart, you know, goofy grins <laughs> on your face." Yeah. And it was because we would finally get a way to, we'd work the phrase or the word into our message. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I couldn't help it because I'm preaching to the congregation, but I'm looking at Nick in the back, just like <laughs> pumping his fist, like, you got it, you nailed it. And I'm doing the same thing whenever he was up there. That was uh, great, man. Whenever you pop by my office and just say a random phrase, and I was preaching in the next day or so, I knew that was my assignment. Yeah, that was it. You had to get that in. 
Uh, yeah. so, oh, so good. Okay, so going into today's like unboxing of Scripture, I wanted to tackle uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. It, it says this. It says, For we are co-laborers with God. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace, and this is verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. I want to focus really on on verse 9 where it says we are co-laborers with God or another translation says we are God's fellow workers. You are God's fields. Because I think in our Christian life, there's a ton of moments where we're waiting on God to do something, you know, for us. Mm. And God is saying, hey, I'm waiting on you to activate what it is I need you to do. Because I really feel like as a co-laborer, God says, hey, you do what you can Mm -hmm. and I'll do what you can't. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do everything for you. I mean, even salvation uh, and we were chatting before we got started, but even salvation, I mean, there's a part that I can do, which is acknowledge Christ, mm-hmm. pray the prayer of salvation, invite him into my life. And then there's a part that I cannot do, which is, man, change my old man. Mm-hmm. You know? But yeah, God comes in, says old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I become a new person in Christ Jesus. Yeah. I, I can't do that. Yeah, That's something only God can do. Yeah. And then I kind of wanted to jump into this conversation today where we unbox that co-laboring aspect mm-hmm. of our relationship with God because I really believe God desires a partnership with us, not a passive relationship mm. where we're just always expecting him to do everything. Yeah. Funny enough, I was um, I there was a gentleman who we partner with. He runs the second largest medical mission in China. Wow. And he tells this story about how he had just visited this small village with his team, mostly Muslim community in China, dirt poor. They have nothing. And he visits this old couple. And the only thing they have to eat is uh, like a cup of rice Mm. and some rotten old potatoes. That's it. That's all they have. So his team shows up and just blesses their socks off with food with everything they need, with water, yeah. prays for them, shares the gospel with them, does everything you would do as a missionary. As group. a missionary, sure. yeah. Painted the house. <laughs> exactly. Fed the youth pizza. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so they're all, this team of like a dozen people, are mar- they're hiking, right? They're in the mountains. So they're hiking back to base camp. And as they are, uh, I can't even say the gentleman's name um, because it's so covert, but he is uh, praying over them and he's in the back of the group right the he's the very last one that's in the group that's hiking forward everybody sure. else is in front of him sure so he's praying and he says lord visit them lord bless them and he heard a voice say i just did behind him he turns around and no one's there oh man come on and you have to keep in mind this guy's like a former attorney very practical he's not hyper-spiritual, you know, Michael and yeah. uh, an archangel walked into my bedroom last night kind of guy. Like, yeah. this is, he's very level-headed. And he hears an actual audible voice say, I just did. 
He turns around, no one's there, and he obviously realizes this is the Lord. Yeah, come on. The Lord is saying, when you visited them, I did. When you encountered them, I did. When you fed them, I did. Yeah. And the Lord looks at our co-laboring as just that, co-laboring. It's doing exactly what Jesus would do in the earth. And Mm. what that did for him was he no longer separated Oh, come his, on now. what he was doing in ministry yeah. with what the Lord's doing in the earth. Oh, come on. Unified the two missions in a way. Yeah. And so more people need that revelation, that what you're doing on a day-to-day basis is allowing the Lord to visit the earth, whether it's through changing diapers, yeah. whether it's through being a line cook, whether it's through missionary work, an accountant, the Lord will partner with you and get involved with what you're doing. He's excited to. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm well, and then that even references where, you know, the Bible says, you know, uh, whatever you put your hand to, I will prosper. Yeah. You know? 100%. And I, yeah. But I think there's this thing where because, man, that's so good. I I think people need to hear stories like that because yeah. for, for this particular reason, you, I don't know uh, how long you've known this guy. But he has this one story so far, mm-hmm. and he may have a couple others. I don't know. But for the most part, there's this one story where he's talking about hearing God audibly. Yeah. And, and the length of his life, mm-hmm. he has this one story that he yeah. goes to. Yeah. And I think what happens is we hear these stories like this, and we go, well, how come I don't hear God every single day? Right. How come I don't hear you know, how come I didn't have this dream or this vision? Or how come I'm not hearing all these different things mm-hmm. in my day-to-day? And you're like, man, this is a, a one-time moment where God mm-hmm. did something out of the ordinary to bring a, a revelation yeah. to this man's everyday application of the word. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that is so key because we hear testimonies and we hear stories of moments mm-hmm. that change our that changes somebody's everyday. Yeah. And we want our everyday to be that moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, and you kind of forget the reason the Lord gave that encounter in that special moment on that special day is to show you what's happening every day, what's oh, happening yes. in the mundane, what's happening in the ordinary. Look at Abraham's life. He's got all these crazy encounters and visitations from the Lord. Yeah. But then you look at the scriptural timeline. It's like a decade between each. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is the father of the faith, right? This is the most, like, if anybody's dependent upon encounters with God, it's that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Throughout human history, it's that guy who needs to not screw this up. Mm. And you'll see decades between encounters with the Lord. Yeah, well, I mean, and that was one of the things I think even last time with Matt Metzger, we were referencing Abraham. Yeah. And from the moment God spoke to him before, you know, uh, Isaac shows up in his life, it's 14 years. Yeah. (laughs) Like 14 years of, hey, God gave me a word. I'm mm-hmm. going to have a son, and it took 14 years for it to happen. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So when I, when I think, I mean, Abraham's a great example of co-laboring. When I think about co-laboring, it's funny because I see a real tie between being a co-laborer and being a co-heir with Jesus. Oh, man. And so, Okay, unpack that, co-heir. So a co-heir, um, essentially the idea is uh, Christ did what he did for the joy set before him, and he has this awesome inheritance, right? The father uh, gives him the kingdom, yeah, right? He's seated at the right hand of God. There's this great, basically, you know, Jesus became what we were. 
so we could become who he is, so oh, we man. could share in his divine nature. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's seated at the right hand of God, and he saves a seat for us. So he says, um, I have an inheritance for you. Uh, I have a will. The New Testament is called the New Testament and will of Christ. Yeah, come on. You receive your inheritance when someone dies. Jesus died. Yeah. He raised from the dead, like Pastor said yesterday, to enforce the yeah, inheritance I that lo- he left. Dude, honestly, I love that point so much when he was preaching yesterday. Oh, yeah. Like, I was running a camera, <laughs> and I, I'm, like, getting excited because I was like, dude, yeah, just the point that you receive your inheritance when somebody dies, but yet Jesus is in heaven advocating yeah. for the inheritance that he died for, for us to receive. Yeah. I was just, honestly, exactly. I was on the front row just like, that is so big. Yeah. Because so many times, I mean, honestly, I've I've walked through in, in my ministry role of life, I've mm-hmm. walked through moments where people are wrestling with, well, what do we do now that they've passed away? Mm-hmm. Here's the assets. Yeah. yeah. And to have that the person that set up. Yeah. Be be present still and say, yeah. "Hey, here's what I have for you." I mean, it just it's cuts, awesome. It cuts through everything. It, there's no mystery. Nothing's left in probate court. Yes. It's just here's what you have. So being a co-heir means you get what Jesus got. Mm. Being a co-laborer means you do what Jesus did. Oh come on! And so I really feel that being a co-heir uh, drives us to be co-laborers. When you realize, holy moly, look at what the Lord's given me. Look at yeah. what he's done. Look at what he's provided. It'll just by nature inspire you to be a co-laborer, to pull people into that same mm. inheritance. To say, hey, there's an unlimited will here, unlimited resources, not a finite bank account, not a piece of property, but unlimited kingdom available for you. You can be invited in as a son or as a daughter. You qualify. Um, what do you say you get on board? It's just the natural byproduct of realizing what God's done for you. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. Man. Well, and, there, and there's that. It shifts the relationship when you recognize, okay, like you made the statement, a co-heir receives the inheritance, but a co-laborer is, uh, I'm, I'm receiving, a co-heir is receiving what he received. Mm-hmm. A co-laborer is doing what he did. Mm-hmm. There's when we look at Christianity with the idea that there is a doing, mm-hmm. not just the receiving. Yeah, I think because the introduction was, man, my doing was so little and my receiving was so great. We tend to carry, I think, that receiving mentality mm-hmm. and al- almost like the you know uh, to bring it to a real fleshy kind of natural way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you hear the generation before us talking to the generation behind saying, well, all, all you guys want is everything done for you. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. This generation just wants everything done for them. They don't know how to go out of work. They don't mm-hmm. know how to go out and earn something. <laughs> and it's amazing. I think because our doing was so little in the beginning, we can move into that. We can carry that same thing. And that should, oh, man, what that shows is just a lack of your Christian maturity. Yeah. Yeah. Because, okay, we, we are parents mm-hmm. at different levels in life. Yeah. I have a kid who is about ready to start driving. Yeah. Um, I've got a, you know, one, one about ready to start driving, then a 12-year-old that is turning 20, 
mentally, you know, <laughs> and a, a 10 year old that, oh my goodness, I don't even know. You know, my, my girls are so different than, than boys. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't have the benefit of ever being a girl. Me neither. So, yeah. So I only like, I understand Braden where he is and his logic and train of thought. My yeah. girls, dude, at, at times right now, I don't even, I feel like they're on a different planet. Well, you've also, I mean, and that's also saying you've spent what, how many years trying to figure out Alyssa and you're not oh, even yeah. close. Oh yeah. Six, 16 years trying to figure her out. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so I don't know. I say all that to say, you know, like there's this attitude. I honestly, I lost a bit of my train of thought there, but there's this attitude, I think, where we want God to do things for us. And, oh, mm -hmm. that's what it was. As a parent, you know, we have this place where as your kids are young, you're doing more for them right now than mm -hmm. what I'm doing for my kids. Yeah. Even though they're still my kids, I have, I think, a greater expectation. Yeah. Like, you probably help your kids pick out their socks and shoes in the morning. Yeah, sure. I, I, if I had to go find the shoes for Brayden to wear in the morning, I'd be like, dude, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, dude, you're, yeah. you're flipping 14. I shouldn't have to find your shoes for you. How come mm -hmm. you don't know where your shoes are? Uh -huh. And I, I, it's amazing. I think we carry this, oh, man, we carry this immaturity through our life with Christ where we're like, hey, God, I, where's my shoes today? Yeah. And God's like, hey, you've got this. Yeah. Put your shoes on. I'll bless where you go. Exactly. Exactly. I struggled with that quite a bit as I felt I was moving into, um, I was sort of like spiritually coming of age, maybe spiritual teenager. Like I turned 18 mm. and started pursuing Jesus heavily. And then once I got into that a little bit, I felt like I was going from spiritual immaturity to like preteen, like my spiritual mm. age. And I remember during that season, I was very hesitant, very cautious, very nervous about stepping out of line, about missing the will of God. Oh, yeah. And what had happened was I sort of had this picture in my mind, real simple, of a child who could swim perfectly fine, taking one step into the water, looking back at dad. Is it okay? Taking one more step, looking back. Is it okay? One more step, looking back. Is it okay? And dad's like, just swim. Yeah. If anything goes south, I'll hop I'll, in and get yeah, you. You're I'm fine. Oh. But you're within the boundary of my grace. You're under the umbrella of grace. You're okay. Well, I mean, let's just let's just unpack that a little bit because in the the attitude of co-laboring, there I think there becomes this hypersensitivity to be a perfectionist, and oh, I only want to do what's perfect. Uh, I'm yeah. nervous. About, is this what God has for me to do? Mm -hmm. You have worked a facet of jobs since the moment that you became, I would say, uh, hungry. In mm -hmm. your relationship for Christ. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I've had the advantage of knowing you long enough. I watched that transition. Yeah. Like, I can remember the phone call where you were like, hey, Brian, I want to come to church. Will you pray with me? And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we're praying in the back of the sanctuary. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. And yeah. I mean, just like, and from there, it was just kind of like watching you just go up levels. Mm -hmm. And in that, you have worked a variety of jobs. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because God blesses what we do. Like, there are moments where I feel like God says, hey, this is something I have for you to do. Yeah. But then I think there's so much freedom that God says, I'll also, not only do I have this for you right now, and he makes that, I feel like, very clear when there's that time. Like, this is what I have for you. 
But I really feel like God also says, I'll also bless what you do. Yeah. Yeah, there's the mandate, mm. and then there's the negotiables. Yeah. So the mandate would be, I know for me, I have an evangelistic calling on my life, so my life purpose is to pr- promote the gospel, yeah. right? to bring people to the Lord through the, through the preaching, through the publication of the gospel. That's the mandate. The forms that takes within can yeah. vary. Oh, yeah. Right, so I know one guy who carried a cross around the world for thousands and thousands and thousands of miles, a 90-pound cross, yeah. to yeah, the he, point that it deformed his collarbone. Right, so that's crazy. that's what he did. Yeah, he so, came through Warsaw, too. Did he really? Yeah, I actually met him. Yeah. I, I talked to him on the phone, like, at, I don't know, a couple months ago. Oh, did you really? For, yeah, for almost an hour. Oh, that's epic. <laughs> yeah, he. I remember when he was coming Outrageous. down through Warsaw. That's crazy, and, man. And, well, and... Because I had seen him on YouTube and different things. Oh, my Lord. And then all of a sudden it was like, because I think at that time you could find where he was going next. And I was like, holy cow, he's almost to Warsaw. That's and wild. I actually went out to 30 and met met the dude. So he's been beaten up in, like, uh, the Middle East uh, almost to death for carrying a cross through. Wow. During, while war was happening in the Middle East, he was walking through. Um, he's been all over the world doing this. And he told me on the phone, it's, it's hilarious. I couldn't believe this. He goes, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe I'll get to heaven one day and the Lord will look at me and say, hey, you knucklehead, when I told you to carry a cross, I didn't mean literally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm like, dude, you just did, you spent your whole life doing Doing this. this. Yeah. Wagering that maybe he meant literally. (laughs) Uh, Well, and okay. So I heard somebody preaching once and. They were talking about um, how the Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. And they put a ton of emphasis on the first half of that, go. Mm. They're like, I think a lot of the times we are trying to see if God has said yes when he's already said go. Mm. And and he basically was saying, you know, I've done this and this and that. And he was naming all the different things he had done. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's like, I only ever pray and ask God, is this something you don't want me to do? Mm. He's like, I'm, I'm never looking for a yes because I've already got that. You've yep. al- He's like, you already have the yes. God has said, yeah. I'll bless what you put your hand to. Mm. You know, wh- Whatever you put your hand to will prosper. I'm telling you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And you think preach the gospel, man, that is so different today than what it was even like if Paul had a YouTube channel. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's I true. mean... The gospel yeah. can be preached in so many mediums today, mm-hmm. from art to, you know, the the standard pulpit. You yep. know, I mean, there, there's yep. so many ways you can share the gospel. And the cool thing, well, the important thing is it has to be shared in these places. Yeah. There was a day when you could put a tent in a church parking lot, and you're going to draw tons of young people. Why? Entertainment. Oh, the, man. About the yeah. only place to find live music is at the gospel tent. So people got born again. You had great tent revivals. I'm not saying tent revivals are over. Right. But I am saying good luck pulling the TikTok generation yeah, into, into a, a tent. parking lot of a Pentecostal church for a tent revival. Yeah. Try, sure. But good luck. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So go where they are. Yeah, there's there's a guy, the young guy on TikTok, and I remember when TikTok started. Like it was musically before it was TikTok. Oh yeah, that was yeah. So TikTok right. is the musically app. Yep. After musically like got shut down Dissolved and then or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
uh, rebranded and bought and sure. everything and then relaunched. Uh-huh. And the only reason why I know that is because my kids had Musical.ly. And when TikTok went, I was like, oh, you know what? I'll check this out. My kids are on it. And I opened it up, and my old Musical.ly videos were on TikTok already. Mm. So I was like, oh, this is that same thing. Got it. And I remember thinking in the beginning. Now, well, I say in the beginning. We're talking like the start of 2020. Mm-hmm. Going, I should probably do like a daily devotion on TikTok. These are only 30-second videos. I could do that. Mm-hmm. And it was just a thought I had, and I did nothing with it. And I follow this guy on TikTok that's a young guy that did exact. He had that same thought and said, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And he's got, he's literally sharing the gospel with thousands of people every yeah. day. Mm. A lot of them believers, but also non believers. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I, and I, I get excited every time I, I watch his videos because I'm like, dude, you are doing something that I felt like, yeah, the gospel needed to be here. And then I was yeah. just passive on it. Mm-hmm. And I told, I've, completely feel like God is blessed him because of that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's something to people just being creative and figuring out how they can weave the gospel into their career, into their passion. And it's not like, uh, I think people need to take the pressure off of themselves and not view sharing the gospel as some formalized Romans road that you have to pull out of your pocket at a given time. I've made that mistake in the past. Actually, just last night, I was thinking about different moments when I've worked in different places, how the way that I brought up praying for people or sharing the gospel with them, looking back, I can see it was a bit too formal Mm. at times where I should have eased into it more, should have continued to develop more relationship, should have put cookie crumbs on the table and eventually, you know, and I'm not saying I just had zeal, right? I'm not saying it's wrong by well, any means. Yeah. Well, but when you were sharing the gospel to a, ch- a unchurched uh-huh. culture, yeah, and we're sharing them the culture of church mm-hmm. instead of the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's a disconnect. For sure. Because we're trying to share with them a culture. Yep. And I mean, the gospel is so much bigger than our church. My, honestly, my our church culture, New Life Christian Church, our church culture is different than one only Grace Brethren's culture. Yeah. But the gospel? Yeah. The good news <laughs> of the gospel? It's the same in our building as it is in their building. Yeah. And that's the thing that, man, yeah, cookie crumb the gospel. Yeah. You'll They'll develop an appetite. An appetite. <laughs> an appetite. An appetite. <laughs> It's true, man. It really is true. So you learn to master your method, I guess, over time. Mm. But that's one thing I would encourage people to do is uh, take a good look at where you're at, where God's put you. And from there, figure out how you can just leak the gospel to the people around you. Yeah. And I would, I often would pray, Lord, cause people to be hungry, cause them to ask the right questions, and then give me the right answers, things like that. And then what happens is you don't have to force your way in to share or communicate a message, right? You don't have to, somebody says, ah, man, I'm getting over a little bit of a headache today. You don't have to go right up to them and lay your hand on their forehead and freak them out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just way more, it's cooler, it's more natural, it flows better, and long-term, I think it's more effective. Um, So I would encourage people uh, to take up, I'll use the word duty, uh, even though it sounds a little bit works-oriented, but it, it is works-oriented, but take up the duty, the responsibility, the awesome call we have. There you go. Of being messengers. Yeah. And, uh, 
and just get her done. It's fun. It really is fun. And uh, I think you'll experience great favor in your workplace too when you do. Yeah. And some people will hate you also, so don't forget that. You might be stoned. <laughs> yeah. you, you might be carrying a cross and getting beat up. <laughs> <laughs> but it also it will bring you into favor. And I, I don't think we talk about that enough. That, yes, there is, there is an example of people being stoned and persecuted and hated for their faith. Yeah. And there's also, you're going to get a seat at the table because of your faith. Yeah. Well, and I just want to, f- I feel like this needs to be said because we could focus on the sharing of the gospel and say, yeah, I've got this job so I can share the gospel. No, actually, you got the job for a task that is very natural. Like, yeah. unless in your interview yeah. they said, how much scripture and how much of the gospel can you share while you work here? <laughs> you didn't get the job right. to share the gospel. It's true. So part of you, part of what you know brings validity to your message is how well you just do your job. Yep, it's like, true. I mean, and that... If you can do your job better than anyone else, yeah, that will keep you in a place where you can continually share the gospel, mm-hmm. yeah, because you outperform everybody else on the natural thing. Yeah, I was talking to a guy the other day, and he said, "Hey, sorry, man, I've been really busy because he's kind of tra- pioneering a ministry." Oh, right cool. He said, "Hey, I've been really busy at my secular job," and I just cringe. I just cringe. When people say my secular job. Yeah. Now, I get it if you're just practically trying to draw a distinction between the ministry that you start at or whatever. Sure. Right. So there's use for it. I'm not drawing a hard line thing here. But when people treat, like, there's a connotation there that when you say secular job, it's less important. It's less important. It's less oh. holy. It's not, you know, really the work of the Lord. Yeah. Forget that, man. Yeah. If you are not called to full time ministry, the Lord does not get excited about you trying to pioneer a ministry. Yeah. He gets excited about you going to work at a factory. Ex- oh, man, there's so much truth right here. You could have so much fun with this. Because <laughs> so many people, man, so many people are called to just, uh, man, uh, what you would call just, man, to work mm-hmm. and to create a good testimony that reflects and draws people to Christ. Yeah. But they don't get excited about it. Because it's not what they think, you know. Oh, yeah. And you got to go where grace is. Oh, yeah. What are you graced for? What are you graced for? Where's the oil? Where's the juice? Yeah. Right, right. Can I ask you a question about co-laboring? Yeah. When we talk about doing what Jesus did, which is basically the definition of co-laboring, you could use that as a definition. Do you think... Because I think we can. Do you think we can model Christ's life before he ever started in public ministry? Oh, man. Because we never talk about that. No. We talk about doing what Jesus did. It's always preaching, teaching, healing. We, yeah, we talk about taking the last three years of his life. 30 to 33. Yep. Can we model Christ's life? Yeah, actually, I've preached a message on it. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I have. Because I feel like... 
because it's like, well, you know, we we tend to not focus on the the years before his ministry. Yeah, but the Bible still does. It says when he was like fourteen years old, he was found Studying, in the temple, learning, growing, yeah. asking the right questions. So one of the one of the messages I've preached that you know, part of the life that we're called to model is mm-hmm. be found in the temple, ask good questions, because mm-hmm. it says in that portion of scripture they were impressed with the questions that he asked. Yeah. Yeah. Not the answer, you know, because so much of our culture is all about, well, I've got your answer. Here's your right. answer. I've got an answer for you. Nah, rah, 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 you know. mm-hmm. uh, but Jesus was asking really good questions as a teenager. Yep. I, I feel like, yeah, absolutely. We're called, you know, and not to mention, we know he worked a job. Yeah. Until he went into ministry. Yeah. Have you heard that, I heard Rick Renner talking about this, and if I heard it from anyone else, I wouldn't necessarily give it much attention, but because it's Rick Renner, yeah, I'm like, okay, there must be some merit here. He actually talked about how being a carpenter in that day, mm-hmm. um, what it actually meant was Christ was a, working as a stonemason, and that's why he gave so many analogies with the chief cornerstone and things oh, like that. I've, yeah. And he, so he was actually an architect working in stonemason work, him and his dad, him and Joseph, for the Romans, making really good money. So he talks about how in, the, in that day there were certain buildings that were erected yeah, um, that would have been around the time of Christ, that Christ and Joseph, their basically stonemason architecture firm, would have, would have been on. involved in, that would <laughs> have been really big projects, really good pay from the Romans. And so it paints a totally different picture than Christ building a a chair, yes, out of wood, yes. Which, if he did, great, you know, yeah. it's, it's great. It's a, a great career path. It's a lot of art involved, science involved. But to to say Christ is a stonemason, an architect, yeah, a totally different kind of builder, yeah, um, was really interesting. And he provided a lot of evidence for it. And basically, his point was Christ was not a broke little carpenter. No, yeah. And I, people think he, they would have had employees. It would have been an, a, an actual operation with validity that would have helped fund his ministry. Yeah. I don't, man, I'm going to have to jump into that. <laughs> I don't know. That's, I've heard, I've heard the idea that he's been a, Jesus has a stonemason. <laughs> so, yeah, that totally would be. Oh, man, this has been fun. Okay. So, I end every episode asking everybody the exact same question, which okay. is if you were to create a dodgeball team, change that part of it. So, all right, as a publisher, mm. you know, Tall Pine Books, if you don't know it and you want to be published, you got to get a hold of them. But as a publisher, what authors would you want on your dodgeball team? On my dodgeball team? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Whew. That's a great question because everybody's an author nowadays, so my – Pool of people to choose Everybody's from. an it's author. Pretty, <laughs> it's pretty wide. Especially with especially with Tall Pine Books, because you take anybody who hasn't written or typed out a book, they could bring you an audio file. Mm-hmm. And so you, am you I limiting will, it to just Tall Pine authors, or can I just do any any author? I'll, I'll let you do any author. Okay. Yeah, just go for it. So I'd probably do Hemingway. Okay. Because... Uh, he was pretty ruthless, shot a, shot a lot of big game animals. He's probably pretty accurate. So I'd start with Hemingway. Okay. Um, I would probably use Joel Osteen as like a, a sacrificial lamb. Like if wow, I, if on I, the team? The great arm over to the left. I'll throw Joel out there to the right just to be, just to take hits. <laughs> and he'd be happy to do it. Hey. Hey. Thank y'all. Hey, love you guys. 
Thanks. All right, team, let's go. That's a good throw, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Beyond that, ooh, mm. rats, man. Uh, maybe uh, maybe one of the cooler hipster pastors, maybe Judah Smith. Okay. Because uh, right. I could see them doing like a little uh, – uh, spoken word, kind of distracting the team again, because I'm the guy with the arm, right? I'm going to be the one. Oh, so throwing. yeah, I'm the haymaker. Uh huh. All right. And so as long as I have some distractions in place, you're good. I think I'm good. I like the confidence you have in your <laughs> own ability to a game carry. I've not played. <laughs> give me one guy, and then give me three distractions. That's right. <laughs> and we. That is great. That is great. Okay, so that's yeah, that's three guys. Okay, we need one more guy. One okay. more. One more. Yeah. Um. Why don't we do um, <laughs> who's the, the Nick something? His last name starts with a V. He has no arms and no legs. Oh, oh my goodness! I don't know the guy's name. I don't know his name, but I know who you're talking about. He's the motivational speaker, right? <laughs> you should not be laughing <laughs> this hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness okay well <laughs> we're gonna stop hey this has been another episode of unboxing scripture with john brian and nick poe uh, oh my goodness hey i really hope this week uh you just walk more in that aspect of co-laboring with christ thanks so much for joining us and have an amazing week <laughs>